to Deathwatch's Call of Cthulhu campaign, Descent into Darkness. My name is Travis, and I will be your keeper. Our story today begins within the Miskatonic University Library, a three-story Gothic structure built of native granite in 1878. While the marble halls are large and drafty, the Orn private reading room you now occupy is well-appointed and maintains a comfortable temperature in the summer heat. And for those of you that have association with the Society for the Exploration of the Unexplained, you're well familiar with this area. Uh, The shelves here store periodicals and pulps of the decidedly weird variety. But before we we take that first step on the next flight of stairs into madness and darkness, let's get an introduction from our players. While the summer still shines, it's good and natural light. We'll start with you, Chris. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm playing Detective Jack Glover, a uh, fairly well-to-do, uh, not well-to-do, but big fella uh, that uh, is kind of intimidating, I guess, but uh, overall good-natured. I'm looking forward to finding out who I'm going to be arresting. Looking <laughs> at you, Justin. <laughs> I'm Brandon, playing Dr. Wallace Andrews, M.D. He's a handsome, sharply dressed fellow with a thick moustache and a recently, let's see, what was it? How long ago was it that we joined this? The SEU? Yeah. Like a, I don't know for Wallace, I'm not sure. That's in his backstory. Yeah. Or do you mean the uh, Hermetic Order of Sorry, the Silver that, Twilight? Yeah, the Silver Twilight one. It's only been maybe a month and a half. Yeah, recently joined the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight. And I am Justin, returning as Lance Monroe, <laughs> the gregarious and slightly eccentric... Um, slightly. ...occult museum curator. Uh uh, I wanted to note that Dr. Andrews has a shadow seeming cast over him all the time. That's his low luck score. Oh. What is it? Nine. <laughs> Can I not group with them? I'm not part of their group. <laughs> just always stand well away from yeah. He's like the rogue of the group now, basically. So <laughs> just keep two paces back. <laughs> all right. So the reason you are in the Orn private reading room at the Miskatonic Library is because you are attending the will, uh, the reading of Mr. Rupert Merriweather, who died a while back, June 16th, 1921. And you are all summoned here because apparently you are included in his will. Well, uh, not you, Detective Glover, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. So, um, of our principal cast here, uh, Dr. Andrews is 
usually the one to arrive early. So you walk into this room and already you see somebody you recognize, Mr. John Scott, the noble philosopher of the Boston chapter of the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight. He gives you a polite nod when you come in and he's sat amongst all these wooden folding chairs before a lectern. And uh, you also see a man with a bad comb over balding middle-aged fellow with a briefcase and he's sort of sorting out papers on that lectern. This would, you think, be Mr. Rupert Merriweather's lawyer. And after you arrive, you see an older woman who is behind you arm in arm with a man you would say is in his 30s, handsome but on the edge of losing his good looks due to, you feel like, a lackadaisical lifestyle. You know, he's starting to get soft. Uh, uh, But it could just be that he has nice clothes, too, because that does a lot for a fella. Uh, but there is immediately an unlikable, oily quality about him, mm. you know. But uh, you can give me a spot hidden or a psychology role. Okay, let's see what's gooder. You're sitting there, I thought you created a new skill called spot hidden aura. Spot mm-hmm. hidden aura. <laughs> spot aura. Oh, what is it? That That's right out of Shadowrun almost. <laughs> yeah. you got masking, yeah. yeah. There you are. A success. Okay, so after a moment of looking at him, you see a resemblance to Rupert, Mm. mainly around the eyes. However, from there, the likeness skews closer to the woman next to him. Perhaps this is the wife and son of Mr. Merriweather. Somehow, in your dealings with the departed, you never really learned that he had a family or he didn't speak about it much. Um, So behind the duo comes our detective Glover. So your route into this comes because in your recent history you were involved with the shooting of a person and you're placed on administrative leave because it wasn't clear if all the laws were followed right Mm. and uh i will not say whether you did or did not i'll leave that up to you to determine for his backstory purposes of whether or not you shot that guy correctly or incorrectly. Well, you definitely shot him correctly because he's dead. Mm, But whether it was legal or not legal, it was in the line of duty. Um, It's just not certain if all the the laws that you're supposed to abide by were followed. Uh, Is it cool with you if I kind of just leave it ambiguous even to myself for now until like more of it's revealed to me? Because it would be kind of fun if uh, it definitely was not above. uh... (laughs) Right. So you're you're behind this man and woman who are walking into this room. So in in uh, a friend in the department, Sergeant Logan Terry, appeared one day while you're on this leave with a sealed envelope. He handed it to you and he said it's from a good friend of mine at the Fraternal Order, the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight. He passed away recently and left instructions to find a man of the law who had resolute character, his words, mm-hmm. and might aid in a small matter and to deliver them this letter, and to give you a description of three gentlemen, which uh, he gives you descriptions of Whitmire, Dr. Andrews, Mr. Monroe. These are the gentlemen that are concerned in the letter, I guess. Any, Anyhow, here's the letter, and he passes it off to you. Let me show it to you. All right. Okay, so this is a handwritten letter, and it reads, To whom it may concern, my name is Rupert Merriweather. And I am in the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight, along with our mutual friend. The letter reaches you, who I do not know, as part of my last will and testament. I apologize that you and I shall never meet. To the matter at hand, 
some friends of mine will shortly be in need of help. The nature of what that help will entail is beyond my power to envision. However, know that it will most certainly be dangerous, but that in helping my friends complete their task you will have spared innocent lives. If the call to protect others is not sufficient, then perhaps I can appeal to a more mercenary instinct and offer you a significant sum, which is enclosed with this letter and yours to keep no matter your disposition. My friends will likely be mistrusting of you, so present this letter as proof of your employment in the matter. To my friends, know that this man who stands before you has been vetted by our mutual friend Logan Terry, and should be beyond reproach. I ask that you sacrifice your instincts and take him into your confidence. Friends, known and unknown, I wish the matter a swift resolution. Sincerely, Rupert Merriweather. So you have that letter on your person wherever you're likely to keep it. Inside pocket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like I said, Logan Terry filled in the other details um, that you were to come to this will and testament and present yourself to Mr. Monroe, Mr. Whitmire, and Dr. Andrews after the proceedings. All right. So yeah, I'll be kind of like uh, eyeing the uh, yeah. attendees trying to figure out. Yeah, you're pretty sure about... Um, because you see Dr. Andrews there, he fits the description of one of the gentlemen Logan Terry gave you, but you don't see the other two, at least not yet. All right. So, last to arrive is that scoundrel, Mr. Monroe. What do you have to say for yourself, Justin? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say scoundrel. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I'm a good-natured gentleman. Charlatan, flim-flam man. There's a couple other words. <laughs> uh, these are all hearsay. <laughs> So yeah, I'll, I'll uh, walk in in his normal fashion. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's good to see you all. It's an, of course unfortunate that we couldn't be meeting under better circumstances, but as it is, we are here to to pay respects to the great man that uh, has uh, apparently left us something in his will, <laughs> whether that be uh, a command or a, a gift of some sort, of whichever it is. A I pardon gift. <laughs> ah, Dr. Andrews, it's good to see you again, my good man. Mr. Monroe, pleasure. Ah. The Mrs. Merriweather bursts into tears. <laughs> 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 oh my good woman, I am I must admit that I am very sorry for your loss. I'm sorry I didn't make the funeral. Go ahead and get some charm out there. <laughs> Alright. Um see which way it goes this time. Just charm? That's the only one I got option for. Uh what what else do you think you can do? Persuade mm. takes a little bit of time. So in this small instance, uh, first meeting, charm will have to do. Alright, so yeah, charm coming out. Ooh, Holy cow. Mm -hmm. My first tick mark. Okay, I was going <laughs> to say, put your check. Yeah, don't forget <laughs> to do that, guess. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, my good lady, I am very uh, sorry for your loss, and I, I am Especially. sure that this is a uh, a very difficult time for you. Your your husband was a great man, and, and a man that I much respired and respected and admired, and please accept my, my condolences, and if there's anything that you need of me, please do not hesitate to ask. And, uh, to be widowed so young. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the apparent genuine warmth that you display, um, while it doesn't totally dry up the tears, it does bring it back to a slow leak. And uh, after all, it's been a month and a half. She should be over it by now. Yeah. Um, anyhow. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay. So a few memories that you and Dr. Andrews share is actually you were 
raised in your rank at the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight. You're now initiates now, so you have a shared memory of being dressed in robes again, slate gray this time instead of black, being led into the Lodge Hall, where many other members were waiting to witness the ceremony, although fewer than before. You assume this is because it would be only the higher-ranking members inducting you. Uh, the room was dark again, save for the tiny lights twinkling in the ceiling and the candles burning on the altar. A robed figure spoke with the voice of John Scott, reminding me, reminding you <laughs> of your oaths and giving yet another lecture. Although I'll spare you the actual lecture and give you the cliff notes. So the you know the first had been on the nature of science and understanding that you were a subject in an objective world. And only by the scientific method could one begin to understand the material world in truth. The second lecture, however, was on philosophy and how there was a tendency of the empiricists of the day to think that modern enlightenment thinking came about despite ancient philosophies rather than because of them. Uh, his little joke was this is the materialist version of immaculate conception, if you will. The lecture closed with the imposition that one must remember that the past is unsettled as the future and that our ancestors must be revered and looked upon with humility, the state of mind that all quests for truth must necessarily begin. Uh, again, you were asked to repeat your oaths. Only this time, uh, another oath was added, and that was to revere the ancient philosophies of mankind with humility. And by those oaths, you were made initiates and treated to another dinner of fine food and drink and smoozing with your fellow Hermetic Order brothers. But flashback to the library room. A few other people walk in. You see the familiar form of Finn McCracken, a big man. Uh, but now there's another fellow there who is about as big, Detective Jack Glover. But yeah, he comes in with his shoulders rounded and uh, comes up and greets you guys wordlessly. Ah, uh, Finn McCracken, a man of few words and <laughs> Goliath size. One that I respect quite as much. How have you been? He nods. Ah. Well. So boy is odd. He should. He's, he's always so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll uh, give him a good solid handshake and, a, you know, one of those claps on the shoulder for that is always a bit harder for the big man than, to be. than he would be. Yeah. All right, and then there's another gentleman, a, a young student named Thaddeus Grunwald, who uh, comes in in a rush with a, a bunch of notes and things in his hands. And uh, he is also here. As He does, like, recording minutes of the SEU meetings and what have you. So he's here on some function or another. But um, finally, you're all there in the room just awaiting the lawyer to get his businesses in order. If there's anything you guys want to do, while you're there, say so now. Otherwise, I'll just go on to the reading. I will approach the widow again and, you know, ask her if, if there's anything that she needs of me. Um, and mention that, you know, I would like to speak with her and just have a, a casual lunch or something along those lines if she'd be amenable to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she uh, and and who who are you to Rupert? Oh, uh, I was uh, a friend of his. We we researched several things. Uh, I'm sure you were, you were aware of some of his uh, investigations into historical matters and things of that nature. And uh, I run a, a small museum in Boston that, uh, um, and I'll of course pull out one of my flyers. And <laughs> oh no, <laughs> we're starting early this time. 
She's already drying her tears with one, though. (laughs) Well, yeah, it it is spread so that that is will become every piece of paper in the game eventually. But um, it's its own entity. Yeah, I have a dream where I'm or I'm playing a session and I'm trying to give you guys handouts, and it's just some mock up of your flyer. Everyone, I'm like, no, we're that's actually not a bad idea for later on. (laughs) But uh, no, I'll I'll tell her that uh, I often consulted your husband on on matters of authenticity and things of that nature and he has pointed me uh in the direction of finding some relics that have become centerpieces of my museum so well she accepts your offer at lunch although one thing of detail is uh the man in his 30s next to her is really like giving you uh, not a hateful look exactly but a rather annoyed look I'm used just to the whole that. time, right? Like, everywhere I go. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. You should have taken it as a matter of course. Yeah. Okay. All right. Before we get to the reading, there was one other detail. Um, you were set to Dr. Andrews to meet with Whitmire at the train from Boston to Arkham this morning. But last night, you guys were finishing up some surveillance on a gentleman's wife that you had taken on at your private mm-hmm. investigative firm, A&W Private Investigators. And you were doing, you know, just some watching, some surveillance, and you had cautioned him not to eat at the roadside food stands anymore because of issues you've had in the past. And once again, you were correct, and he could not make it because of some gastrointestinal issues. So, so we were supposed to meet at a train. Yeah, yeah. You 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 waited there for a little while, and he sent you a a telegram saying that he just wasn't going to be able to get away from his his apartment. And he would catch up as soon as he felt well enough to. So, all right. So at this point, the the lawyer gathers everyone's attention. The proceeding begins with a mostly dry affair with much legalese that many of you might not understand. However, once the different inheritances are listed, uh, you see who you assume to be the son of Rupert lean forward with palpable interest. And you guys can give me a psychology rule. Is he the one that was glaring? Yeah. Staring me down? Yeah. All right. Psychology. Nice. Oh, neat. Yeah, and what looks like bald greed to your guys' trained eye. Um, anyhow, so the lawyer says, To Finn McCraken, my faithful valet, I leave the parcel of land you have dwelt these last few years in my employ, and its accompanying structures to do with as you see fit. Also, certain monies are as detailed to my accountant and lawyer will be held in a trust to fund a monthly stipend equal to your customary salary, which shall continue in perpetuity or until such a time as you no longer require it. Farewell, friend. To John Scott, a small cache of books has been selected from my library and will be delivered to the Boston Lodge Hall for use as you see fit. To my dear Agnes, the love of my life, arrangements have been made that all monetary concerns shall be managed by our accountant, a weekly stipend will be dispersed with a larger sum at hand for any emergencies that should arise. Furthermore, a trust has been established for potential grandchildren that you shall direct as you wish. Lastly, I have recorded a reading of our favorite poems, should our parting be too painful. Farewell with love. To my son Bertrand, I leave the contents of this letter. To Dr. Wallace Andrews, James Whitmire, and Lance Monroe, my friends and errant knights, I leave a parcel of land in Ross's corners and the contents of a certain box. Farewell, my friends. I shall miss the wonder we shared at the unexplored 
the unexpected, and the thing that is hidden. Finally, all monies and properties not explicitly listed here shall be liquidated and delivered to the Society for the Exploration of the Unexplained. And then he's silent. And when it's clear that the lawyer's finished, uh -huh. Rupert's son exclaims with no small amount of rage, Is this a joke? I demand to see this wheel for myself. And he stands up and goes up towards the lectern with his fist bald and his face purple. Uh, the lawyer kind of shrinks back from his approach. Mr. Merriweather, I assure you that all the documents are correct and notarized. Uh, he says, but he's like casting around at the room for some help from this man who's, you know, got like a head in height over him. But yeah, the uh, the son starts like rifling through these papers and examining everything. I'm not the hero of that time, <laughs> so somebody know, else just, is going to have to <laughs> Just pausing for anything, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, what, how is this affecting his mother? She's like, Bertrand, no, <laughs> don't do that, Bertrand, you know, like. Uh, oh, Bertrand, okay. Yeah, Bertrand. Sorry. Rupert. Who's Rupert? Uh, Mr. Merriweather, that oh, you know right. yeah. and love. Um, trying to think if I'd do anything. I think this, I think it's probably like a good idea to sit back and watch this type of spectacle. It could be norm for them. You know, I, I'm the intruder here. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'll do anything. Yeah. So you, there's some small protestation by the, the lawyer, but he pretty much gets browbeat down. And if he gets violent. I will like step in if he's actually physically browbeating the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So the, uh, he, he's quiet, the son for a time. And, uh, he says, he says, I don't think this is right. Nobody's taking anything today. I'm going to have my team look over this and we're going to make sure this is right. I, all you sycophants can just go home empty handed. Like you should have been. Oh, shrug. <laughs> all right. Yeah. He'll get no reaction from me except for a, Disdainful look. And your yeah. waggling of your odd hand. <laughs> yeah. Quick, grab it. It's my strong hand. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. I, that, I forgot that he had his weird hand. Oh, out. was that why you were looking at me weird yeah. when I was doing the... <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot that he had his hand destroyed and kind of weirdly recreated. <laughs> Quick, Lance. <laughs> so... um so I guess actually I will, right? Because I, I don't have a lot of tolerance for this kid uh, making a scene like this. But I assume that what's been left to us, like the deed, will be up in that stack somewhere. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go find that. So yeah, as you approach it, uh, he puts a hand out, and he says, "Get away from me!" And the hand actually touches your chest. Okay. Well, that's battery right there. Plug him. <laughs> <laughs> Touch him with the weird hand. Remove your glove. Do you have a glove on now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always wear it so I don't put anybody into an alternate dimension. Or it's like that one guy from uh, Total Recall. I'm one of you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll just, I mean, I'll just look at him and, and say, you're embarrassing yourself and your mother. Mm -hmm. You're an embarrassment in that silly hat of yours. Just go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. What would I use? Persuade. Dude, you should get him to say like some uh, uh, some like eldritch words or something like that so you can justify capping him. Yeah. <laughs> Cthulhu say what? <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'll, 
Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll try to use persuade. Okay. So, I know you're upset, and of course, you know, lawyers will look through this and make sure everything's as it should be. But for now, let's not make a scene. Your poor mother, you know, it's not how she wants to remember your father. It's not how she wants to remember is, you know, this this whole occasion. So let's just calm down, and uh, you can have the lawyers look through everything at the, all on your own pace. Okay. Uh, go ahead and roll out that persuade. Mm. Mm. Nice. Doctors all got that bedside manner going on. <laughs> all right. So yeah, you um, you begin kind of talking them down, and and you point out some that a lawyer is presenting this information and all that sort of stuff. So you talk him down from the ledge a little bit, and he finally goes and sits back at the table. But in when you look at him, he has a it's like he's marked you out in his mind, if that makes sense, you know. Like he's calmed down and he realizes he can't make a scene, but he just keeps casting some baleful glances your way. Uh, but in any case, the lawyer goes back to the lectern and reorders his papers, and uh, he he calls out to the people that were named in order to collect any documents or possessions that were left to them. And so they do, and so it is that you two at least find yourselves in front of the lectern, and he hands you a box and an envelope. One second here. So as it stands now, it's a it's a pretty nondescript box, although you can feel something heavier moving around in it when you pick it up, whichever one of you does that, and the envelope, envelope is kind of taped on uh, the edge of one side of it. And then that concludes... The last will and testament of Rupert Merriweather, and you're free to go on from that point in whichever way you'd like to. Well, Doctor Andrews, I believe I could use a drink. How about yourself? Uh, yes, uh, that sounds just about perfect to me. Perhaps we will retire to the orders. Uh... Yeah, we'll like go to one of the what do they have? What are they called? The lounge or whatever where they? Oh right. Yeah. Well, you um, you're an Arkham, which is about like a hour and a half away from Boston, so you might need something a little closer by train anyways, unless you want to head back to Boston now. Oh, that's right. Um, oh, where? Arkham, Massachusetts. We're at Meriwether's home. <laughs> You're at the yeah. uh, Miskatonic University Library. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Although I've spent some time here researching, so yeah. I'm sure that I've spotted several taverns or Public yeah, houses, yeah. And there's sort of a weird vibe about uh, in the library of late. Uh, you didn't get all the details, but apparently there was a murder in the library at some time uh, recently that was particularly ghastly. I a think, young librarian woman. I'm trying to remember. Was that that was right before I came here the last time, wasn't it? I think it was after. Was it after you were back in Boston? Yeah. Okay. See, there was a, a library woman that was accosted that was by a deranged individual. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't right. get all the details. Of, you know, you've heard whisperings of you know uh, decapitation and and uh, ritualistic killing, that sort of thing. But apparently, the the culprit is still on the loose. But it's cast okay. like everybody. There's a there's a grayness to the area lately. Still, yeah. some psychic energy or something. From the murder. But, uh, yeah, you guys, there's plenty of, I mean, you know this place well. Yeah. So. So. And yeah. there's also coffee shops and 
or cafes, I should say, rather than coffee shops. Yeah, I'll follow your lead. Take us to a place where we can look through this in relative privacy. And then I wanted to go to the widow and, you know, pay my respects to her. Okay. Yeah, she looks at you. Tell her I'm sorry for her loss. The world's loss, really. She says, oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, truly. And I'll make a tentative date for lunch, you know, uh, meet back in Boston at such and such a place on, like, say, next Wednesday or something like that. Um, or we can reminisce about her husband and and uh, wax philosophical about <laughs> the meanings of life and death. Well, uh, Bertrand is, has, like, enough of this, and he yeah. pulls his mother away, and they... They leave the library room. So I had him picked up for Dr. Andrews. Yeah, you're, Monroe's by... the easiest one okay. because... <laughs> Does it look like they're starting to head out? Yeah, yeah. It looks right, like, so yeah. I'll cut out before they start to leave and I'll kind of be waiting outside smoking a cigar. Okay, yeah. And uh, you see them come out, I guess, right? Where were you guys going? Sorry. Slipped my mind. Yeah, we were just heading to... Um... Place kind of a, to seek refreshments. Yeah, yeah place to yeah. where we could seek refreshments with maybe a private room. Yeah, yeah, that should be doable. You know the town well enough. I think even the good Dr. Andrews knows it well enough because he's doing his schooling here yeah. at Miskatonic. So mm -hmm. you guys know there are a number of small cafes or private areas you guys could have a moment to yourself. And yeah, as you're walking out of the Miskatonic, University Library, you see the that big fella who was at the reading, uh, not named as far as you know, because you could account for all the people that were named. I suppose, oh, never mind. But yeah, you see him sort of smoking on a cigar, you say? Mm -hmm. Standing there. But yeah, this will be your opportunity if you are going to go after what the letter said. Did I say how much money he left there for you? Mm -mm. 400, sorry. Oh, yeah. 400 cash. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna tail him, but if you want me to, oh, it's up to you. If you want to tail, it's up to you. Yeah, I'll tail him. Okay. If unless they go to split up, if like a a cab is called or anything like that, I'll kind of go forward then. No, but at, if they're gonna walk, I'll at tail this him. stage they can walk to a place that meets uh, their description. You know, because they have a lot of cafes that double as places where people can study and whatnot too. Uh, because you're right by the college, so you're able to get. Uh, it's actually a bookshop that just happens to serve some small refreshments, and you just rent their room for a pittance, a okay. little reading room, and you guys are in there. So that would be where you would lose sight of them is when they go into the bookshop. What did you want to do at that stage? Oh, uh, I'll uh, try to. I'll uh, walk up to the one of the attendants, you know, whoever, and I'll show. I'm um, I'm looking for some of my friends. I think they came in here, and I'll describe Monroe and Doctor Andrews. Could. Have you seen them? <laughs> oh, yeah. They just ordered, or they, they rented the room back there, the reading room. Ah, thank you very much. And I'll go back there and knock on the door. All right. Yeah. So you guys had set this box on the table, and maybe we're beginning to flip the letter open when you get a tap at the door. So it must be the uh, the waiter coming to take our order. Mm-hmm. No. Open the door and say, uh... Oh, good, sir. Mr. Uh, Monroe, right? Two coffees? <laughs> no, unfortunately, I'm here for something else. You're a Mr. Monroe, right? Your damn flyers are lit littering all over the place. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. They are well-renowned, well not just in Boston, but all, all the way up here in Arkham as well. I'll look over his shoulder. Do I see Andrews in there? Yeah. Yeah. And, okay. And, like, I'll 
I'll say he was at the reading, Lance. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I'm aware. And if if you'd like to to visit, then uh, I I have no no problem with that. But I'll reach in my coat. <laughs> I believe that uh, Doctor Andrews and I are are seeking a, a private moment at the at this time to go well, over what a mutual friend of ours, uh, Logan Terry, gave me this the other day and a little bit of money, and I'll hand him the letter. <laughs> okay, and I'm gonna do that thing where I I put my foot behind the door so he can't just like shoulder it open because <laughs> he's he's a big guy and I'm, i've had bad bad experiences with people with accents coming at me. <laughs> so uh right. yeah i'll flip it open and and read through it well lance let's not have our business going out into the hallway no, let the man in i'm perfectly fine just waiting out here just read through it you can decide whether or not you want to invite me in after you're done so yeah i'll scan over it and then i'll uh passed on to yeah i believe it's still shared with you guys so yeah but the salient points were this letter acts proof that this guy has been hired to help you and some upcoming dangerous thing that you don't know what it is but knowing rupert merriweather could be something something spooky well if uh if merriweather trusts him so did i so do i so yeah uh come on in sir well merriweather trusted uh Logan Terry. Logan Terry. To vet somebody. Yeah. So, yeah, you guys. I'm going to look him up and down and be like, so how do you know Logan Terry? Didn't I say it when I introduced myself? I'm so sorry. Detective. <laughs> yes, uh, but... Detective Jack Glover. Well, yes, but did you know him intimately? Were you on cases with him? Well, I wasn't married to the guy, but yeah. <laughs> we came up through the ranks together. Do you share his views on uh, those in power? I don't quite know what you're talking about there. I'm just a detective, a humble detective. All right. How are you at uh, strange things like ghosts and specters and things along those natures? <laughs> <laughs> I'll look over at the good doctor. I'll be like, is this guy for real? Is you yanking oh. my chain here, buddy? I assure you, I am always for real. In fact... He's an acquired taste. Please, My sir, museum come on is in. one of the places where you can find truly real things. There you go, pitching that museum at me again. Uh, <laughs> as a businessman. My man, pockets have... are full of these damn flyers. <laughs> <laughs> go to pull out a cigar, light up the end of a flyer instead. <laughs> no, the cigar is made out of the flyers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'll uh, put forward my hand and say, Dr. Andrews. Pleasure to meet you. And I'll shake his hand. Uh, Looks like you're, you're down a member. Where's, uh, where's Whitmire, I believe, was uh, the other one, right? Am yeah. I, am I overstepping? I can't quite remember. No, you're right. All right. Whitmire's indisposed at the moment. Do I but... recognize that name? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say there's like a 90% chance you'd recognize <laughs> it. So, yeah, let's give it to you. Yeah, you know he used to run um, bootleg liquor. So Interesting, uh interesting friend you guys got there he's uh well known at the department yeah interesting is mm. the perfect descript descriptor it's just kind of odd uh that merriweather wouldn't strike me as the type of guy based on what uh logan terry told me about uh a little bit about him to run with uh, a bootlegger a doctor and a well maybe the curiosio uh guy over there <laughs> well well i'm sure we can't go into every detail uh, Mr. Merriweather had a very eclectic group of associates. Noted. 
Okay, so you have just this regular box on the table. You have the letter, one of you does, uh, between the two of you, who's the... Yeah, I'll read it. Okay, yeah, so you can tell it's recently written when you pull it out of there. It's um, The envelope that it was in also contains what looks like a deed to a house and uh, an old key. Uh, but you set those aside for now and open that letter. Let me hand that out to you. Okay, the date on the letter reads Friday, May 20th, 1921. My dear friends, in my youth, I and some fellow students became involved in what we believe to be an innocent exploration of the occult. Led by a slightly older man named Marion Bishop, the six of us purchased an old farmhouse a few miles west of Arkham, near the village of Ross's Corners. We had learned the site was aligned with the old and sacred, and there we can conduct seances and other psychical research in privacy. Alas, our work had unforeseen results. Our last experiment summoned an evil force into this world. Instead of attempting to expel the thing, we were afraid and abandoned the old farm, confident the magic that brought the evil to this world would also keep it confined in the vacant house. However, I have since discovered that the spell that binds the entity to this house lasts only as long as we who performed the ritual live. I am the last of the group, and with my passing the thing will go free and wreak untold havoc. It will be weak at first, hungry from its long imprisonment. It will grow stronger and wander further with each passing week. Only recently have I begun to grasp the truth of reality and the scope of what is happening in the world. I have tried, in my small way, to combat certain forces and make amends for my part in bringing the thing into our world. But I could not bring myself to return to the farmhouse. I could offer a variety of excuses, that my life was too short, too diffuse with interests, that I became aware of greater threats. But it was, at the final tally, mere cowardice that kept me away. Only now, in the twilight of my years, have I summoned the courage to rectify this old mistake. However, since you are receiving this letter, then my time has run out, and now the task falls to you, dear friends, for which I am deeply regretful. Seek the De Vermis Mysteris. The method of delivering the thing out of this world can be found within its pages, I think. A copy is kept in the Miskatonic Library's restricted collection. I have included a small amount of cash to cover your expenses. Work quickly to banish the entity. Farewell, Rupert Merriweather. And included is a, a total sum of $1,000 in crisp $100 bills. Well, my good Detective Glover, now that you have heard the explanations, <laughs> how do you feel? Actually, a bunch of kooks. Ah, I I had a feeling that that would be your approach to this. <laughs> it is difficult to believe. You too, huh? I, I have been there, yes. Believe it or not. Uh, do you still practice medicine? <laughs> I'm furthering my education. Ah, sounds like a good idea. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as of late, I've been in a, a much more uh, base occupation. As a private detective. Yeah? What you tracking down? <laughs> you know, the usual cheating old ladies. That sounds very mundane, Dr. Andrews. Mm -hmm. So. Well, yeah, but uh, now it looks like I have another job. Or yeah. I should say yeah. we have another job. And I'm guessing uh, 
Oh, Merriweather, uh, probably hired me to help you guys out with this. Mm. Yes. You're right. Yes. Which we appreciate. Yeah, you're very welcome, Doctor. Mm-hmm. Easiest money I ever made. That's right. <laughs> Chasing down So moves. that was just a letter that was attached to the box, right? Yeah, what included in the envelope was the deed to this house that was wheeled to mm. the three of you and the key, you would assume, to the house. But yes, you have not yet opened the box. I'll take a look at Dr. Anders and say, well, might as well see what else was left to us. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I'll flip the lid open. Okay, so in this nondescript box, you see uh, an ornate box. It's sarcophagus-shaped. Mm. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you're doing this, Dr. Andrews? Yeah. Do you have a, a decent history or archaeology? No. <laughs> no, neither. Well, you know enough to recognize what looks... It looks Egyptian to you, you know. You've seen it, pictures and magazines and, and what have you. So yeah. it has that sort of vibe. But of course, you wouldn't be able to get any more information with your knowledge. Yeah, I just have like a, a seven for history. <laughs> it appears to have been made in the past. Mm. Uh, Mr. Monroe, would you care to look at it? This oh, is yes, uh, outside my area of expertise, which is... Having a high credit rating. <laughs> Being a doctor. <laughs> Archaeology work? Yeah, whichever you prefer. Yeah, I'll be kind of looking over their shoulder or kind of trying to peek over the lid, depending on which side yeah. I'm on. Well, on its own merits, uh, it does have an artistic quality that would the, attract the eye of most people, right? Mm-hmm. You would detect its apparent ancientness just by looking at it. Oh, so we got a regular success there from yeah. Mr. Monroe. So you can identify the hieroglyphs decorating the outside of the box as Egyptian, of course. Okay. And you would say of the old kingdom, uh, but you can see by examining the outside of it that it does have a lid that appears to slide off. All right. So, yeah, I'll do that thing where I kind of pick it up and just gently turn it in my hands and I'll talk as I as I turn it around. I'll say, yes, these are, these are actual Egyptian hieroglyphs. I don't see any... Any sign of them being a forgeries. Uh, this is a container of some sort. Should we open it and see what what's inside? Yeah, you can hear it has some weight to it. You can hear something clunking around in there or some things. Okay. Yeah, I'll gently put it down on the table and then slide the, the lid off. Okay, so um, you slide the lid off and you set it like it slides one way and then you set it over. When you, when you set it down, you can see on the inside of the lid are carved some odd symbols, ones which you recognize from recent history as to be Aklo. Okay. Which might explain Mr. Rupert Merriweather's interest in Aklo, but you can't decipher it as of now, so it's a curious point for later. Anyways, inside are two books. One's a slim journal, and one is a much thicker ancient tome. Uh, any writing on the outside to identify what the ancient tome is? Okay, so the the ancient tome has the word on it, or two words. It says Merwitter Chronic. Merwitter Chronic? Yeah. Smoking Which you could give tonight. me an extreme roll, if you wish. Extreme uh, English roll. Extreme English? Yes. Hey, I got English. I know languages. I know Latin, too. Would that help? Or history, either one. Not Latin, though. History with my history. Oh, chronic. So how do you do... Pronounced chronic, though. 
Oh, right. Now I remember. And you said extreme? Yeah. And just our own language, right? Yes. No, I did not. Um, You said history as well? One or the other, your choice. Oh, okay. I did. Uh, it would be a regular history role, though, if you decide with history. Oh, yeah. History would have been what is uh, What's your history? 57. Okay. So, yeah, 35 would have done it. What is your language? Is it... Uh... Your, your education or yeah it's equal to your education yeah okay so you know enough you know from uh classes on like beowulf and whatnot that the writing that you're looking at in there is old anglo-saxon english and uh you do recognize that it has dates ranging from it appears just at a quick glance to be from 880 to 957 but as to the contents of what's written in there you would need um something to reference to actually begin a translation up there yeah, but yeah, um, of course, once I start going professional me and actually handling artifacts, I, I'm all business and very professional about it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be uh, kind of turning it over in my hand. I'll, I'll hand the journal over to uh, Dr. Andrews to Put take a look at gloves. that. <laughs> um, I already have one glove on. No, uh, well, one row for the handling. Uh, I just the... kind of assume that gloves are part of his, his daily um, attire. Especially if he was going to a will reading. What now? The box that this was in looked like a casket or a coffin. A sarcophagus, like an yeah. Egyptian sarcophagus. It was ornate. It had a bunch of hieroglyphs carved on the outside uh, that could be translated given enough time. It. I think to do it off the top of your head, though, you would need to pass a hard, but you only got a regular success with that archaeology rule. Yeah. So you'll need to take it to a library somewhere and get out some some books on that but let me share the journal with dr andrews but yeah as i'm looking over it i'll looking over the other tome i'll be saying oh this is, appears to be anglo-saxon english a very rare ancient dialect you don't see many books these days with this um see here are these dates here it looks like they're ranging from towards the end of the first aeon after after uh jesus's death so oh this is very interesting it's all hold it gingerly because it's very interesting to me i think you passed the regular journal off to you dr andrews yeah so you have that in your hand and you can see there's a almost like a bookmark or something there's a newspaper clipping kind of peeking above the edge of the pages oh you see the yellowed newspaper style paper oh look at this what do we have here yeah, so if you open it to that place, you can see it's from the New York Times. It's an old clipping from Thursday, August 14th, 1887, and the headline reads, Brutal Murder at Docks. And the body reads, The body of Marion Bishop, late of Arkham, Massachusetts, was discovered early this morning near the Hudson River, a victim of foul play. The man was identified by local witnesses who said that Mr. Bishop had been in the locale the evening before. Although robbery was the apparent motive, police report that the victim had gruesome marks carved into his forehead and his tongue had been cut out. Mr. Bishop had reportedly gone to the police earlier this week, claiming that he was being followed, and he feared for his life. He said his shadowy pursuers were after an Egyptian artifact which he no longer possessed. <laughs> and uh, when you that place that it's holding is for this first entry, although to read the total... Journal, it'd take you about four hours, so we'll just start with the first entry for now, which was uh, dated for February 27th, 1877. 
Um, and this you gather to be Rupert Merriweather's journal from that time. It reads, Marion Bishop has acquired an artifact, purportedly Egyptian. It appears to be a small sarcophagus of gold. Inside is a large piece of amber, which entraps a specimen of some unknown species of arthropod. Marion is very excited. As the Bach corresponds to a description he found in an ordinary reference volume in the university's Orne Library. Marion says that in another book, De Vermis Mysteris, is an explanation of the powers of the box. The text says the small animal trapped in the amber is actually the host to a bound djinn, a guide to the spirit world. Marion says the tome mentions that originally there were four such pieces of amber contained in the box. There is no mention of what happened to the other three. We are agreed, and a date has been set to conduct a ceremony intended to summon the jinn, which Marion assures us will be friendly. We have chosen the night of Saturday, 18th March, the night before the new moon. Now, this is um, from the another journal that was in there? So there was one journal and then one Anglo-Saxon. Okay, yeah. okay. He has the Anglo-Saxon one. You had the journal that had the news clipping in it. And like I said, it's... Uh, fully written out so it'll take several hours for you to read through it entirely so we'll just hang on that first entry but you can of course read the rest if you'd like well uh, that appears to be everything a deed a key an old anglo-saxon tome and mr merriweather's journal from the 1870s and you have that and the box yeah i have the uh monroe has the journal i have the old the old tome Okay, so I have you have the journal. Okay, um, glancing at the deed, is it um, is it the farmhouse that he mentions in in the? You think so? It is. Yeah. Okay. In Ross's so the address corner. on it yeah. is Ross's Corner. Okay. Yeah. Right. Which you're not too familiar. There are no trains that run there uh, currently, but if you had an automobile, it would take maybe 45 minutes to drive from Arkham to that place. And perhaps followed uh, the trail of one want an old man through there at some point. <laughs> Probably you did drive on that very same road. <laughs> if only, if only Mueller had known that perhaps there was a bound gin that he could sub <laughs> cause yeah. submit to his will. Yeah. So it's all laid out there. And I suppose to frame it for detective Glover, the two men looking over this stuff, like do not seem as though they're looking at, like kooky things or weird things, you know, they're very serious about it, actually, I would expect by yeah. this time, <laughs> which is quite odd by itself. But it is sort of a whirlwind of odd information. Do I catch the... Uh, although intriguing. The news clipping? <clears throat> yeah, it's... you see it. You see him because he pulls it out of that place and, and holds All it right. in his gloved hand. Yeah, so me being the, uh, what's the word? Secular? Minded guy? Yeah. I'll figure that somehow, some way... Rupert Merriweather, and now these men, gentlemen, have something to do <laughs> with this. <laughs> What's on the clipping? Right, because it's like, was that more recent, or is it? It was like uh, a... the date was from eighteen seventy-seven. Okay, so August um, of that year. So yeah, like Rupert Merriweather at the very least. Then right. he was also younger at that point. Uh, so he very well could have. Well, the letter had we had received that. mentioned that uh, he was friends with the the Marian Bishop, who he he was the one that led the the ritual right yeah at least according to that first entry uh, okay. dr andrews is currently 
flipping through pages looking mm -hmm. for other entries that are relevant to this house. But as far as the other entries you're looking through, he's collecting an assortment of occult material. You're starting to see the seeds of what planted in his mind this idea of the lost continent of Mu and whatnot uh, back in these in the 1870s. Okay. But yeah, I'll, uh... So we've got a lot of work ahead of us. What do you think ought to be our first step? Well, if I'm honest, I must say that I am slightly disappointed that uh, this was the legacy that he left us. Uh, rather a chore, <laughs> but... Well, there is something well, in the uh, letter that may trigger something in your occult mind if you give me an occult roll. I might be able to. There it is. Ooh. Um... Yeah, no, you have it on extreme, I think, right? Your your Colt's not sixteen, is it? Mine is, yeah. Oh, okay. mine. I, yeah, I got eighty two out of seventy three. I only barely um, was able to start raising it. I don't suppose I could push ah. this, could I? <laughs> uh, yeah, you you certainly. Um, so push it. Um, let me think. What would be your justification for that, and what could go wrong? Mm. If you're willing to save the. Uh, the the bad thing that's going to happen it could lead him down a road of okay. just misinformation essentially yeah you know so it'd be like thinking a ghost will be kept at bay with salt but it's like actually cheetos or something <laughs> and it so it just doesn't work for him yeah okay all right i always push mm -hmm. okay now, you don't get the check on a push do you I don't think uh, so. No, you get the check on a push. The only time you don't get oh, the luck. check is if you use luck or you have a bonus die on that particular roll. Because okay. if it's too easy, then regular, then you didn't learn nothing. Did exercise yeah. them brain muscles. Okay, so there's a particular phrasing in the introductory letter that, you know, when you're talking about this disappointing legacy you left for you, his old friend and errant knights, as he said, uh, you are like, well, wait a sec. He said they had learned that the house they bought was aligned with the old and the sacred, specifically uh -oh. for conducting seances and psychical research. Now, what might he have meant by that, you know? So, likely a ley line right. like we had run across uh, before. Spent many a, a day chasing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which having one to call your own might have untold uses. Hmm. Well, my good Dr. Andrews... Uh, it does sound as if this will be a dangerous mission. Um, so I believe that we, having Whitmire with us when we actually make our initial adventure out to this location would probably not be a miss. And perhaps even the uh, good Mr. McCracken would join us as well. He has proven invaluable in the past on uh, protecting our soft flesh from being ripped asunder. Uh, you have frequent, for the most uh, part, as I glance at your your hand. You have frequent uh, occasion to have something attempt to rip you asunder. Ah, uh, it just comes hand in hand with uh, following these cases of Mister Merriweather. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are very dangerous. I wouldn't. Uh, yeah. I I wouldn't insult your intelligence by explaining it to you because you wouldn't believe it. But uh, these tasks for Merriweather do. Do carry dangers, that is certain. Which you actually have in your possession, the first edition copy of uh, Jackson Elias's Beneath the Pyramids oh, nice. book, which <laughs> details all of your events in Peru. So well, I have that with me? 
Right, probably. I don't know. It depends on what you might have done with it. It, it arrived recently. All right. Hot off the presses, he said. Well, I suppose that uh, he does mention that we will need to be uh, researching something here at the Arkham Library. Yes, and, right. There's supposed to be a copy. And uh, Mr. Whitmire has never been the uh, most studious of of investigators. His uh, His talents lie elsewhere. Perhaps we could go and get the first part done while he is recovering from his malady and move forward once he is healthy again. That's it? Anything for me? Um, you could come along if you'd like. What What did you just say we're going to do? Find Mer- or get Whitmire? <clears throat> well, first we uh, go to the library and, and look yeah. up the um, De Vermis Mysterious that he says that we will need in order to complete this task. And for the detective, perhaps he could dig into this case that's on this newspaper clipping. Yes. This, uh... This person that was murdered in 1887 and found in the Miskatar. in the water, yeah, in the river, and uh, it, it's mentioned in this letter here that uh, this thing may have escaped. And if it is truly as dangerous as uh, Mister Merriweather has uh, claimed it is, then there may be some rumors amongst the local law enforcement out out near where the farm is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Perhaps uh, the good detective could look into that as well and see if there have been any disturbances up in that quadrant. All right. Uh, what do uh, I know about any sort of record keeping going back to 1877? Um, well, it's it just depends on any if any disaster claimed those records. But you think in a place like New York where that report came from, it's probably as good as anywhere. You know, would I have to head to New York to? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. Right. It depends uh, on what you're asking for. I mean, you can of course try to leverage your position as a detective. All right. Obviously, they do interoffice work. It's just that they don't have like a database in Boston for New York's crimes, so you have to yeah. reach out by telegram or whatever. You know, so it's a matter of time. I'll see what I can do uh, when it comes to this case, but uh, documentation and record keeping going back that far is kind of spotty. Yeah, that's true. You might have to speak with someone involved personally, like an old detective or... Yeah, perhaps. uh, As far as uh, any rumors... uh, 1877, so that would have been 45 years or 44 years ago. mm -hmm. So, yeah, that might be difficult to find anyone that still remembers it. Oh, yeah. As far as uh, any, uh, I don't know, rumors uh, about this thing that's supposed to have been released, I can... I don't know, maybe uh, feel about maybe some animal mutilation or attacks or something. Yeah, anything you can find out might might give us uh, the information we need. Mm-hmm. I'll get right on that. <laughs> All right. So um, you guys put everything back together, and, and so if I have this correct, Dr. Andrews and Monroe will head to the library, and Detective Glover will head off to shoot some telegrams. Mm-hmm. One more thing before I take off here. <laughs> here we go. Uh, Get no. intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, write on a piece of paper, like, uh, I don't know, like a cafe or some, something near me that they can get a hold of me that will, like, take a message. Okay. Like, they know me well enough that um, when I walk in there, like, for breakfast or dinner or yeah. walk past it to check mail, something like that, that right. I will stop by there. And so if you need to contact me, send a telegram 
here. Very well, yeah. All right. I'll. And where should I reach you to if I uh, stumble across anything? I have a feeling that we will be uh, mired away in the depths of the Miskatonic University Library for the foreseeable future. So uh, if you leave a message with the curator there, I believe that uh, I had gotten on well with him the last time I was here. And um, The assistant, you haven't actually had occasion to interact with uh, Dr. Henry Armitage yet. Uh, but yes, you do know his assistant. assistant quite well. All right. So I'll put on my hat put my cigar back in my mouth, give it a couple quick puffs to get it back up to up to temp, and then uh, well, I'll be contacting you shortly, hopefully, and I'll walk out the, the door. Alright, so we'll stick with Dr. Andrews and Mr. Monroe as they head back to the library a short jaunt from the bookstore you were at, and you return amongst the stacks of books there, and uh, what are you searching for? Or who's searching for what? Well, yeah, so we're we're supposed to be finding a Divervis Mysterium. Divervis Mysterius. Yeah, you you. It was said in the letter that a copy was held here, and the restricted collection of interest to Monroe might be a book on Egyptian hieroglyphs. Oh, I failed my restricted collection roll to help him. <laughs> You gave, oh, you, me, <laughs> you gave me a, a skill for it once I got yeah, uh, access it. to it. Yeah. So. Take, take, uh, or walk in Johan's footsteps, always push library rolls and then freak out. <laughs> so I assume Monroe is like, or yeah, he's, he's saying he'll have to find out about this, this book and the restricted collection, which kind of leaves you standing there with nothing to do. Andrews, what would you like to do? Um, he did mention, in the letter that there was, he found word about this in a reference volume kept in the library. Now, that wouldn't be restricted. These would be big books that students or anybody doing research might use Yeah, that cover a, a wide variety of topics Okay, uh, that you could go take a look at. Yeah, that's the, that's the track I'll go down. All right, give me a library use role. As a... Medical doctor, I don't, I'm not very good at using libraries, but. No. <laughs> it seems to be like where we, we hit a, a I don't know the Dewey decimal time. system, so. That's like a running gag, like everybody off goes and, and does something that's in their field, but they always send the doctor to the library and he's like, what are these places? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like to think that for some reason it's always the library that's con and read to everything. <laughs> but yeah, I guess after I'd gone into the, you know, talked to the the assistant curator and gone into the restricted section and not seen what I was looking for, um, I'll come back out and uh, find Dr. Andrews and perhaps I can help him with the library use. Well, you didn't get access to it, but yeah, go ahead and roll yours out there. Okay. All right. Yeah, so you're... you kind of pause to show them how these things work at libraries oh Again. alphabetical order <laughs> okay and uh you find actually a copy of that ordinary reference volume mentioned by marion bishop in meriwether's journal and it contains a drawing and a short description of the small box that's now in your guys's possession uh it notes in this reference volume that little is known about the box although scholars believe it to have been in the possession of the little-known Nofrin or Nofru Ka, who was kind of like a would-be usurper of the Egyptian throne, 
who lived during the third dynasty of ancient Egypt, which would fit into the Old Kingdom period. Uh, the box was believed to have been given to Nafru Ka by the gods and was said to contain jinn that could be called upon to enact some form of service. The book states the golden box was owned after it was found in a dig by Parkinby Andersons, a British noble family who excavated from the royal cache near the burial place of Ramses II at the uh, Theban necropolis. However, it was stolen from them in 1871 and has not been seen since. And also as part of that, you find that um, where in the catalog it shows that the De Vermis Mysterious is held by the university in the restricted collection. However, there's a note that it's it's been marked missing. So I think you guys mm -hmm. know what happened to it. If you cast your mind back to a certain elderly history professor and his mad scramble through Arkham... <laughs> <laughs> to get his hands on that very book. <laughs> it was not a mad scramble. It was a very, uh, uh, well, perhaps it was a mad scramble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take the... Uh, but it's I'll, their fault. <laughs> uh, talk to Dr. Andrews. I'll say, uh, I, I believe I didn't find anything about the this book, the uh, Divermis Mysterious in the restricted section, uh, perhaps if we take this to the curator or the, his assistant and um, ask where its location might be or what had happened to it, then they could point us in uh, some sort of a direction to find it. Yes. Yeah, let's get some expert help in here. Yeah. Okay, so you ask for the curator of the restricted collection to one of the librarians working there. And she says, just a moment, I will go get Dr. Armitage and see if he has a free moment. So she disappears and comes back a little bit later and leads you back into a private office where you see Dr. Armitage, who is a distinguished-looking gentleman, although his expression looks pinched at the moment. Uh, he looks a bit stressed, but he's busy jotting something down on his desk, and he looks up at you. And when he sees your suit, Monroe, he seems to kind of recognize you by description, secondhand recognition. <laughs> yep. The, and he's like, the oh. legend is growing. <laughs> Does he quickly pull out two uh, Curioso flyers and stuff them in his ears? <laughs> his own ears. <laughs> he, uh, Dr. Armitage is, he begins to speak, but then flyers just start coming out of his mouth. <laughs> No, he, uh, yeah, he stands up and you can see he's mildly annoyed once he rec secondhand recognizes you. Because he's like, ah, um, Mr. Monroe, I think I've heard yes, of you. Uh, Dr. Armitage, I, I've had the good fortune of getting to know your assistant very well. Uh, I, first of all, must, you know, pay my respects, my condolences to the recent, uh, murder. I, it, from what I understand, there was something that happened to a young librarian here. Uh, Shortly after I, I had left the last time, I, I must say that I'm quite distressed over I'm this. That this kind of thing could, uh, <laughs> could happen in a place of learning such as this. Yes, well, I was away at the time, and I don't know all the details, but we did have to close the library for a week for cleaning. It was such a massacre oh, of this young woman. Quite horrifying, quite horrifying. But... Um, your assistant, who you know well, I can say I wasn't 
pleased that you he let you into the restricted collection without contacting me first, but I suppose I will have to trust him in this instance. Uh, yes, as, as I'm hopefully he has uh, verified for you, I was purely there for academic reasons. I disturbed nothing untowardly, and I made sure that everything that I had uh, looked at was properly placed back and handled with care. You know, my reputation may be one of uh, less repute, but <laughs> I assure you that uh, my handling of artifacts is always taken highest priority for me. Uh, but I must ask you, uh, we were sent here to find a tome that was said to have been in your restricted section that uh, I, I'm afraid I wasn't able to uh, hear was here anymore. The... De Vermis Mysterious. Um, yes, an old colleague of mine uh, wished me to to uh, find some things within it. Yes, well, we do not have it any longer. It disappeared um, around the time of your visit. Hmm. <laughs> he makes a connection in his mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm afraid, Mr. Monroe, we will have to start anew if you are to go in that collection but it's no matter as i do not have the book and you will have to search elsewhere but you can give me either your appearance or your credit rating role whichever is better we'll see what his actual impression is of you oh 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 um mm, no neither is good <laughs> well, you gotta pick one <laughs> yeah i i actually i think those are supposed to be concealed one of the few concealed ones so which uh Appearance is my hire. And what's the value on it? 35. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, despite your normal effect on people, he uh, does seem to acknowledge your genuine interest in things academic, right? So he is treating you on the level, it appears. But, yeah, he um, he says, although it is a rare book, I'm sure there are other copies to be found. Uh, I had heard... Although I cannot verify that the the Widner Library kept a copy, and also I heard that there was one in New York. Uh, let me see if I can track that down. I have him here in my what do they call it a Rolodex? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he starts sort of flipping through that for a moment, and uh, he pulls out a card and he says, "Ah, here we go. Uh, an antiquarian collector of books by the name of Tobias Heckley." who lives in and operates a small antique shop in lower Manhattan, or really more of a bookshop, bookshop goes by the name of Dog Ears. He goes by the name of Dog Ears or the shop does? The shop does. <laughs> you might get offended if you call him Dog Ears. All right. Um... All right. And in the meantime, um, since you haven't had anything uh, to do, Dr. Andrews, we will read another selection from the journal you're kind of flipping through it while he's talking to this fella so this is the march 19th 1877 entry from rupert merriweather's journal we begin the ceremony as marion instructed according to that described in de vermis mysterious a fire is set in the fireplace and a pentagram is chalked on the floor marked with appropriate symbols and illuminated by two black tapers placed near the center flanking the piece of amber with its entrapped spirit. The others sit in a circle while I, the designated watcher who guards the male for malevolent spirits, sit in the corner of the room. 
At least I get the comfort of a chair, while the others can look forward to sitting on the floor for hours. Marion throws a handful of powder in the fire, producing an evil-smelling smoke and dampening the flames, which now burn a spluttering green and brown. Those seated on the floor begin the Latin chat chant Marion has transcribed from his book. After nearly two hours, I see a trail of smoke circling up from the piece of amber. Its surface seems to be bubbling and melting. Can this be? Have we finally achieved success? I can see a form. And then it trails off from there, but you flip to the next page. March 20th, 1877. We have finished with our plans and have sworn a pact never to speak of what happened last night. We have satisfactorily explained the death of poor Robert and in some manner the madness of Harold. The sheriff accepts the explanation of a carriage accident. We planned it well. Robert's neck was broken in the fall, we told him. Harold struck his head on a rock when the horse's leg broke and the carriage rolled. Would it be that it was only that? For the rest of us, we will be forever changed by what we experienced last night. I will write down the true events so they are not lost completely. The thing formed in the center of the pentagram, shapeless and nearly invisible. Its terrible voice should have given us a clue, but we were so foolish. It spoke. Then Marion cast the damned powder on the gin, the dust of Ibn Ghazi, he calls it. And that's when we could all see it clearly. Words cannot adequately describe the faceless thing with a thousand maws. It roiled and bubbled, never fully revealing itself at any one time. So terrifying was its aspect that I was frozen in place, my pen falling from my nerveless fingers. Cecil and Marion seemed as lifeless as myself, while a short, sharp cry issued from Crawford's mouth. Robert, however, rose to his feet, and before anyone could stop him, stepped forward as though to embrace our horrible guest. With its arms, or those appendages that seemed most like arms, it took hold of poor Robert and twisted his head around as though he was a doll. The lifeless corpse was then thrown back in Harold's lap, and that's when he began that damnable shrieking, the shrieking that hasn't stopped since, even after we handed him over to the sheriff's men. We still have a chance, apparently. Marion now believes that if we had kept our wits, we could have reversed the summoning and forced the creature back to wherever it came from. But Crawford panicked and, mistakenly believing that it would dispel the creature, reached forward and destroyed part of the pentagram, breaking the seal and ending its effectiveness. Released from that binding symbol, the thing, with a screech that could only have been unholy satisfaction, was ejected from the circle, disappearing into the air as a roaring, screaming wind of boiling colors. And March 24th, 1877. Marion Bishop intends to leave Arkham and travel to find a solution to this crisis. He said that he intends to seek out occult scholars in New York. I pray he is successful, but my hopes are not high at this point. He insisted that I be the custodian of the gold sarcophagus and not show it to anyone. What's even odder is that he instructed me not to visit or even live in Boston. I can only guess as to why, as he will not tell me his reasoning, apart from his insistence that it is for my own safety. Marion still thinks that the thing could yet be destroyed or at least dispelled, but none of us who remain have the stomach for such an undertaking. I hope he can find a way to safely banish it without another of us following, falling into its malevolent grip. And we'll pause there for a moment and jump over to Detect Detective Jack Glover. 
All right, so you had gone off someplace to send off a telegram. Yeah, probably to a New York uh, branch or right. records. Uh, NYPD. Yeah. Yeah, you have had occasion in your investigations <clears throat> uh, to come up this way. So with a regular law role, you might have a contact here okay. in the local police department that can kind of help facilitate. Dice hasn't been treating me too good tonight, so we'll see here. Yeah, we fail when we need to fail for <laughs> good story. Yeah, yeah, law. Uh, mm. So the way the the push for a contact one works is I do a concealed one, and it might be like somebody you're not a hundred percent on, and I get to decide if it if it goes bad at some point, right? You know, hmm. like if this were some sort of spy story, they could be a double agent. You know, you just wouldn't know that I would yeah. know it, and yeah. me being suspend well on. Administrative leave could turn into a suspension or right, actual. Yeah. I like that idea. Go for it. Okay. So you got a 62. Okay. You may proceed. Yeah, there is a fellow you worked with. Um, I've got to say your poker face is very good. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm trying to pick up John's. Hmm. Those uh, ice blue eyes. What's he thinking? Um, yeah, so you know, you knew... Or no, uh, Daniel McGowan, uh, police officer, or actually the one detective in Arkham, uh, you've had occasion to work with him in the past for various reasons, but you think you might be able to contact him and have you have him contact the NYPD for you. All right. Yeah. So I'll uh, head on in there. I might also see if uh, Logan Terry is available so I can ask him what he got me into. (laughs) All right. Oh, you want to send him a message? All right. So, well, no, like if it's yeah, in well, the area. He's I'd... back in Boston, so it's still a ways. It's like uh, like an hour train ride from Boston to Arkham where you are, right? Yeah, I'll send him a message too okay. then. <laughs> yeah, so you send him a telegram as like, what have you gotten me into? And uh, so starting from the time you left the bookstore to, to the police station, which wasn't very long, you sent these telegrams. So we can actually get to the point where you get some return on it. Okay. And uh, so... That buddy of yours sends out inquiries, or at least acquaintance sends out inquiries with the New York authorities into the Marion Bishop murder, and that within the hour uh, results in um, copies of the police and coroner's reports being sent back, right? Okay. Via telegram. So they're pretty extensive. You're sitting in there listening to all this be tapped out, you know, for a while. But uh, here I'll give you the handout. And then uh, uh, I'd also want to send out something to the station where the farmhouse is. Right. Or, you know, uh, whoever, it might not even have a station anywhere near it. Uh, So, like, local sheriff or whoever to see if there's been an increase in, like, animal attacks or savagings, uh, stuff like that. Okay, so what arrives back first is um, these telegrams, which were... The statements from the police officer and the detective on that day. So the statement of Gorman Howard, patrol officer, entered Tuesday, August 14th, 1877. I was on my assigned route through Harlem along the Hudson, nearing Riverbank Park at 5.47 a.m. when I saw sign of a person lying among some bushes. I first thought it, that it was a vagrant asleep. As I moved closer to rouse the subject, I then saw bloodstains. On closer inspection, the victim was dead. 
He was lying on his back, arms splayed. His chest was opened up, with the full contents visible, ribs opened. The head was thrown back, mouth open. Since there was obviously nothing I could do to help the victim, I hurried to the nearest adjacent beat where I know I would find, or where I knew I would find Officer Wood. I told him what I found and instructed him to get assistance. I would go back and secure the crime scene. When I got back, some dock workers had gathered around, and one was endeavoring to go through the victim's pockets. I stopped him and had the men move away from the body. I then inspected the man to make sure nothing was taken. At this time, it was light enough to see details more clearly, and I saw the mark on the victim's forehead. It was a symbol of unknown origin carved into his skin, as if with a sharp penknife or similar weapon. I found a tarpaulin nearby, which I carefully laid across the victim until the detectives could arrive on the scene, which leads you into the statement of Warren Harold Detective. I was assigned to the case and immediately went to the scene to gather information. Officer Corman was present, keeping the dock workers back from the scene. He informed me that while he was getting assistance, one of the workers had stopped, started to rifle through the victim's pockets. He said that he searched for, or he searched the man, but it appeared that no items were seen or stolen. Sorry. I found the victim's wallet still in his jacket pocket, identifying him as Marion Marcus Bishop of Arkham, Massachusetts. No money was found in the wallet or anywhere else about him. The victim's head had characters carved into it. Bone was visible. The mouth was open, and I could see no sign of his tongue, which looked to have been severed and removed. The man's ribcage had been torn open, and the organs had been cut out or mutilated in some manner. I request that the medical examiner verify the placement and count of all internal organs. There were some footprints around the body, all on the side facing the opening in the pile of crates. There was some blood dried on the body and ground, but not enough to fit with the wounds. I surmise that the killing happened elsewhere and the body was placed at the docks afterward. And then finally, from the officer of the medical examiner for the state of New York, City of New York, report by Dr. Wilbur Lawrence. The victim, Marion Marcus Bishop, had been killed by a single powerful blade thrust in the bottom of the rib, rib cage, cutting upward so as to separate the ribs from the breastbone. Hands were then used to pry the rib cage apart. The tongue was cut out, likely while the victim was dying. There was a symbol of unknown origin cor carved into the skin of the forehead. The cuts were deep enough so that the symbol was etched into the skull. The victim's liver and heart were missing. Both organs were removed with a sharp blade. Although the procedure was crude, police corroborate that no evidence of the missing organs was found at the scene. Abrasions and bruises to their wrists and legs indicate that the victim was tied up and beaten before death. And that's basically all you get from the New York Police Department, other than it's a cold case, right? Yeah. No, Nobody was pinned for it. Can I send for a request uh, for, I don't, what is it, uh, a print or like a photocopy, essentially, of uh, the photo of the carving the the symbol yeah you definitely can request that it'll take some time because they'll have to actually mail it to you mm -hmm. it won't go through the telegraph they can really only send yeah and stuff I right know. right so yeah you can definitely send that off and uh you haven't heard back from logan terry <laughs> what and... type of wackadoo have you <laughs> set me up with logan or mr or terry <laughs> 
Jesus Christ, you're going on. <laughs> That's some of the weirdest stuff I've ever heard. <laughs> and uh, as far as from the sheriff's office at Ross's Corners, they say they haven't had a homicide in over 15 years. All right. uh, you asked about animal mutilations, too? I asked uh, in a broad sense right. what what uh, it could Any be. Oddities. So, yeah, like uh, in uptick in uh, like uh, violence or animals that may be... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it says nothing out of the ordinary unless you count sightings of flying cows. You know, some of the humor of whoever sent the telegram kind of makes it through there. Okay. Yeah, so... uh, Damn flying cows. Well, you would know this is kind of a common phenomenon in this area. Yeah. But you've never seen anything to back it up. So, yeah, I guess I'll then go... uh, was it uh, send another telegram? Where was it? Did you give me a place to send uh, the library? The library, library. Yeah. yeah. I'll send a telegram down there. Say that uh, the the New York police station was pretty quick in getting back to me, and I requested uh, photo uh, photos of the uh, scene, uh, and that'll be where I cut off there. Maybe that I'll I'll head on over their way. Okay. And if not, uh, yeah. See you when I see you. <laughs> All right, so back in the library, uh, he's jotted that information down for the antiquarian Tobias Heckley, who may have a copy of the De Vermis Mysterious on a piece of paper for you. And he says, well, and if that will be all, gentlemen, I have quite a bit of mess to sort through here. Books were damaged in the killing of the young woman. And I'm hoping to maybe find where this book went off to, our missing book. Well, if I happen to stumble across a, a copy that is uh, available, then I will surely return it to you. I appreciate that. And as a word of caution, Mr. Monroe, don't look in the book. Don't open the book. Don't read the book. Just bring it to me so we can lock it away safe. Uh, I've <laughs> I already had, looked in it. <laughs> <laughs> I've had dealings with uh, tomes like this before, and while they can be a shock to one's senses, I'm afraid that uh, if we do find a copy, that I have no choice but to peruse, get the information that I need from it. Well, I urge you to take it seriously. Oh. Take my warning seriously. Oh, and trust you... me, my good man. I take nothing more serious. I, the uh, Liber Ivanis itself shook me to my core. <laughs> when I happened to uh, come across a copy of it, and uh, I will treat the De, De Vermis Mysterious just as cautiously. Yes, as to that, you got lucky in perusing the Liber Ivanus. And you'll have to prove yourself of sterner stuff if you're to look at it again, or any of the books in my restricted collection. So once again, you know nothing, Mr. Monroe. Mm. And I don't mean that as an insult. I'm going to laugh with just like a tinge of madness to it. (laughs) He's like, I I battle Wilbur Watley. And you're like, I went to Peru. And I I faced down an ancient god. (laughs) Who's the most Cthulhu? (laughs) But yeah, I'll uh, I'll give him a good solid handshake with that. You know, that look in the eye where you look someone else's scene horror. (laughs) <laughs> a thousand, a yards. thousand yard stare into each other's yeah, eyes. Yeah. What does that do? It's yeah. like a well, feedback. Well, <laughs> at some point uh, in those strange and twisted eons of staring, uh, even death may die. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll assure him that uh, 
Yes, the restricted section is a very good place for tomes of their, that nature. And I wish him the best of luck in keeping them locked down. Well, good day, sirs. Good day, doctor. And uh, yeah, back in the library proper, you act- you guys actually get the message from the librarian um, for you two from Detective Glover about what he has found and that he's on his way to the library now. Now, you did have one thing while you're here that you were curious about earlier, and that was the hieroglyphs on the outside of the box. Yeah. Good doctor. You would, do you care to assist me in translating these? I'd be happy to. Now, the um, it would be beginning. You know that any translation of an ancient language isn't merely, you know, looking at the words and reading. You have to get all these different contexts in the way. So you think even with as little as on there, it could take a couple of days to get a full translation of it. Okay. Uh, so, But you can certainly begin. Yeah, I'll uh, start by, you know, pulling references to various hieroglyphs and right. speaking with the librarian and hopefully teaching him how to <laughs> yeah how to uh work okay. his way into the library and his good graces. All right, so you can Mr. Monroe, you can make an archaeology or language Egyptian hieroglyphs rule, whichever you decide. Uh as for helping, Dr. Andrews can also make a archaeology or language Egyptian hieroglyphs or use the library to go fetch different references for Mr. Monroe. Luck roll. <laughs> Get that luck roll. Yep. I did not. <laughs> oh, nice. So he gets to teach me something this time. <laughs> well, his task was much simpler. It was just finding specific books in the library. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, so he's like, I think I'm getting this. <laughs> I'll get lost in like some book about something that has nothing to do with what we're doing. All right. You want to luck or push nope. or take it where it stands? I'll take that one where it stands. Oh, come on. Push it. Now with this one... I'm going to leave it where it is. It'll just say that I got distracted and like, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe I saw the name. Uh, what is that guy? Uh, the Nephron Ka mm. or something like that. Just a name that sounded similar. And so yeah. I'm, I'm lost in a book that has nothing to do with, with translating. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, you're free. <coughs> he's asking you to run off and get these books every now and then Dr. Andrews and you come back and, He's kind of muttering, and he's like, oh, well, that's the problem. I'm thinking Middle Kingdom. Uh, but when you come back again, he's equally as frustrated. But one of the things you've had great experience in is when you're in a library and you don't know what to do, which is every time you're in a library, mm-hmm. you ask for help. <laughs> 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 and you've done that yeah. multiple, multiple times. So that's a, an angle you can take, if you wish, is to cost poor librarian uh, last one was murdered what's going to happen to this one but i'll uh, say listen if you don't want to happen to you what happened <laughs> to the last librarian <laughs> could you please help we are, i know we the guy that sent a dimensional shambler to tear her apart <laughs> we are we are doing nothing for our reputation here by, by continually tying ourselves to this murder and the disappearance of valuable materials <laughs> Yeah, so if you want to, you don't, of course don't have to ask for help. You can just leave it on uh, Monroe's ability. But if you want to, you can pick the uh, social skill of your choice, be it charm, fast talk, intimidate, or persuade to okay. uh, get the job done. Yeah, I'll um, yeah, I'll uh, persuade somebody. Okay. No, I won't. <laughs> Look. Push it. Push it. 
Now I get kicked out forever. No, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> I'm mostly just bored waiting for him anyway. Yeah, so uh, the woman who you talk to, um, you know, you start getting into the specifics, you know, we we have a bit of translation we need done. And she's, she says, oh, Professor Rice um, is our expert, expert in Egyptology, but he is out of town at the moment, so you are out of luck. Uh, yes, I am. Almost. I have nine, so. <laughs> nine? Backhander with the strange hand. <laughs> yeah. You want to see another dimension? Come here, girl. <laughs> All right. Yeah, which leaves you guys at a dead end as far as that goes. So, there you are, and Detective Glover comes in after an hour or so of searching, and once you're turned, turned down... Dr. Andrews, that left you nothing to do but finish up that journal. So let me read you that last entry. What time are we getting around to? It was late morning when the um, what are you the uh, reading of the will started. So you guys are probably pushing into the late afternoon by now. All right. Okay. So the final entry of Rupert Merriweather's journal, October fourteenth, eighteen seventy-seven. I just discovered that Marion Bishop is dead, and has been dead for some months now. He was murdered in New York this past August. I suspect that he spoke to the wrong sort of people about the things he had seen, and they killed him. The newspaper mentions the sarcophagus, so they may have been after the gold. That is three of us gone now. I must do something. I've already begun ancient history classes at university, so I believe I will try to research the problem at the farmhouse in that manner. Perhaps I will uncover an ancient secret of how to rid our world of that beast in my own way. And on that final page is scribbled the names who you presume to be the members of this brotherhood, which was Robert Mencken, March 1877, Harold Copley, August 1877, Marion Bishop, August 1877, Crawford Harris, January 1910, Cecil Jones, March 1919, and then Rupert Merriweather with no date by it. And you can take that to be the years and months in which those people died who were part of that ceremony. Okay. But yeah, anyhow, Detective Glover comes in. Well, hard at work here, baby boys. I uh, got in contact with the New York uh, branch, and they've... Uh, Sent it back real quick. Uh, some nice little information. Nothing too uh, groundbreaking, though. Uh, your person that was mentioned, Marion Bishop, was savaged. Had a symbol carved into his head, just like in the article. Had his uh, his chest uh, ripped open, apparently by hand, according to the autopsy. I'll throw those down on the uh, table while I'm talking. Uh, apparently pried open by hand. And uh, his organs were removed, and uh, apparently his tongue was carved out of his mouth while he was still alive, at least according to the autopsy. So, uh, didn't look like he had anything on him, nothing weird. I requested a, a copy, or the photo itself, depending on whatever they had, of the uh, symbol that was carved into his head. Uh, no word from the, uh, what's the... Uh, where Ross's the Corners. Ross's Corners. Yeah, so it's the Bolton County Sheriff's Department is right. who you contacted, right? Uh, no word back from the Bolton sh uh, County Sheriff yet. That's where, uh, was it uh, something crosses? Uh, Ross's Corners. Ross's, Ross's Corners. That's where uh, Ross's Corners is located. But I sent out a question there. 
So unless you got anything else for me, I'm going to head home. Wife gets angry if I'm late for dinner. I don't have anything else, Dr. No, Anders. I think that's it for, na- for now. Thank you. That was more than I expected to receive on the first day of this. I'm here to help, boys. And we appreciate your help. All right. Well, good night. <laughs> I'll turn around and uh, head on home. What about you two? Um, I'll probably stay in the library for a few more hours and go over various tomes, dig deeper and deeper into the weeds of Egyptology that... <laughs> Yeah. It's more for personal interest than... Is there a last call at this library? <laughs> yeah. Like, is that how it operates here, basically? Last call. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, you have a few hours before they would close down. Um, you don't... That's what's so frustrating. You're, you're not finding the thing that's going to break uh, this translation for you. Uh, you know you went over this sort of stuff during your college years, but it's just it's too deep in the back. It's not... Not yeah. coming to the fore, and you're not finding the right thing that's gonna, you know, give you the right connotation for these hieroglyphs. But um, I mean, there is a moment where you find a book about the fabled civilization of Mu uh, that actually has some things that are kind of like there's these pi- these pictures of sea eroded carvings purported to be Muvian, and they resemble those found in the lid of the golden box, but not quite. And in fact, they they don't match any of the authentic Hacklow you've seen, such as the ones that were given to you in the letter by Meriwether when you went down to Peru or the ones you found in, in the in the pyramids. So Yeah. But it does have some of the whole um legend that has sprung up around it. Okay. Um but ultimately leads to nowhere. But yeah, I'll I'll ask the doctors, do you mind if I take this box home with me and see what I can find out on my own? Not at all. All right. No, I, please do. I would like to uh, reference my journals from Peru. If you hadn't, if you would notice the markings on the inside of the sarcophagus are very similar mm-hmm. to some of the ones we had found down there. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, please. Hopefully you'll find something of interest. Oh, I always find something of interest, but whether or not it's useful, that's another question. But hopefully we can make some progress on this soon. Uh, All right. Shall we put a cap in the day and yeah. return to your homes? Yeah. yeah. So what would be the plan for tomorrow then based off of what you have found so far? Yeah. So we'll need the um, photo that um, Glover requested of the symbol carved into uh, Marion Bishop's head. Symbols always can lead us somewhere. And then we need to draw Whitmire into this if he's done. Uh, Evacuating his, his. Yeah. Uh, if he's done with that, we'll need to draw him into food. this. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Paying for the sins of his his taste buds. And then um, I suppose I should probably I should probably see if this uh, Anglo-Saxon tome has anything interesting to say. The Merwetter Kranich. Right. He put that in the box for a reason, right? Oh, I'm sure he did. Um, yes, if you'd like to take that and see what you can find about it, then we can meet tomorrow. And Is there a slight shake yeah, in Monroe's right. hand as he hands <laughs> he it over? Up. Yeah, there's. Um, it's a simpler process, uh, although still costly as far as time goes for the old English translation. Um, you know, you're like kind of, 
you got like one out of every six words that you automatically know, but the rest of it you're going to have to figure out, but it's not quite like looking at hieroglyphs. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, let me give you some scales here. So New York from Boston is about a four hour train ride, three to four hour. Um, Ross's corners from Arkham would be like an hour drive, 45 minute drive. No train that goes there. The train from Boston to Arkham would be about an hour or something like that. So if you guys are heading home, it's just catching the, the last train to run out of Arkham uh, to Boston, which I think you were doing if you were going home. All right. Yeah. Um, so I guess what specifically will you all be doing first thing tomorrow morning? In Boston. Yeah. Either heading back to Arkham or... Uh, so you, you might want to go... It sounds like you want to do go to a library... Or and, a university. And, and get some help with looking at the old English, the Anglo-Saxon English. Yeah. Um, since I didn't make much progress on it myself, um, I'll reach out first thing tomorrow morning to the local uh, universities to see if they have someone in their Egyptology department that might be able to help me. Um, so like Harvard or yeah, Boston University? Uh, yeah, like more likely Boston University. I don't think i have any contacts at harvard well i do and actually i think that's what i'd like to do instead of going to a library and trying to muddle through this on my own have someone else do I'll it for go you go to a professor of right. ancient anglo-saxon that's <laughs> thinking with your wallet yeah <laughs> right um and so with you being back in boston you can ask logan terry directly what uh he's gotten you into at some point uh but what would you what would you do that next day do you think uh, well, after asking Logan Terry what's up, I'd probably go back <laughs> to, uh, take the train back out there, check, uh, see if, uh, a my... photo or anything got mailed there. Yeah. Actually, I'd probably have them mail it to, uh, my location in Boston. Okay. Yeah. And I guess when he left, um, when we were at the library, after he'd given us the information he'd found, we probably would have set up a, a meeting location for all of us. Um, of course I'll let him know that, you know, he can leave a, a message with my assistant at the Curioso. Hmm. Um, but you know, we maybe set up at the same dining location that we, right. we had for the last <laughs> one. <laughs> All right. Or, or we could meet at, uh, A and W private investigative. Oh yeah. You start here. Yeah. Came with a, a young, attractive secretary. Of course. Was already in the office. Sassy. <laughs> Sassy. Yeah. 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 Sassy secretary. Uh, I'll, if it's first thing in the morning, uh, I'll go to the diner, try yeah. to get breakfast down there and see if they show up. Okay. Uh, after checking with the, the post office. All right. Okay. So with that, we'll close up today's session. But first, let's get a luck roll from Dr. Andrews. <laughs> Swear to God, Brandon, if you fail this. <laughs> How could I not? <laughs> I expect great things from you. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Good job, B. That's all skill right there. Uh -huh. Wait, it's luck. <laughs> all right. So then our final scene is just Dr. Andrews taking a trolley to his home and uh, uh, the shot of his pensive look outside the, gra the glass around the trolley and fade to black thanks for playing today guys i look forward to getting into it again next time yeah, yeah thanks man oh man yeah yeah it's a good
This has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.